Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Brunslick. Wait, do I say Dr. Brunslick or do I say Lauren Brunslick? What episode is this? And okay, hold on. Here's why I got confused is because as I was going into like default, I realized my ADHD kicked in and I was like, wow, you start the podcast. Hey, She Slayers. And Is that like fair considering we know that probably about 20% of the listeners, if not more now, is males? So that's why I got confused because I started thinking while I was on my my, uh, intro. So you're not supposed to think, Lauren, just go with it. All right. I also, I don't know. I'm not going to call you they slayers. Um, So men... Well, you're just a she slayer because you support she slays the day. It doesn't mean you're a she. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means you support the podcast that happens to have the pronoun she in it, which in itself is an issue because the podcast is no longer just for women. I don't know what to tell y'all. Okay, we're not doing a rebrand. She, oh, there it is. She is me. So if you're a she slayer, you're supporting the podcast, but the she in the podcast is me. So you're supporting me. She slayer equals I like Lauren. That's what that means. All right, there we go. We solved it. We're fine. All right, would you like some free therapy advice? I got some free therapy advice. No, sorry, it was not free. I had to pay for it. I got therapy from my therapist at $140. Um, But so we're talking about how I really have let go of a lot of control stuff in the last like month, almost like oddly fast. But one of the things that I'm still very much holding on to is my idea that in order to feel good about my day, I need to have been super productive. And like checklists are very important. And how reading, I think I literally said to her, reading is destroying my life (laughs) because I make really dramatic statements like that. And she's also a reader. And I said like, I will get into a book and I'll, so two, for instance, um, Tuesdays, Thursday morning, and all day Friday, I have a ton of flexibility. Like I'm kind of always working, but like, I don't have to, a lot of things aren't pressing. So on a Thursday morning, if I spend two hours reading, I will like beat myself up about it, but I'll keep reading because I'm really into the book. And so we're getting to the good part. 
So she's talking about how, like, what, where is this coming from? This need to prove to people this thing. Like, you've already done it. Like, you've already got the podcast. You already have the successful business. You already have, like, what your goals were. And I was like, well, I could do more. She's like, mm, okay, but right. But on paper, great. At what point does a lion need to stop proving it's a lion? And I was like, what? And she's like, a lion doesn't prove it's a lion. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get a lion tattooed on my body now? And I think this works. So like, I really identify as a lion because, you know, obvious reasons, uh, mostly because I'm a Leo. If you're confused because you're like, wait a minute, Lauren, I know so much about you uh, and your birthday's in September. You're a Libra. Ha, different story for a different day. I'm actually a Leo, even though my birthday's September 29th. If you are into astrology enough to be able to figure that out, good for you. Um, if you don't know anything about astrology, then you don't care, then no worries. But it works for other things. Like if you're just like a really chill person who's analytical and cerebral, and maybe you go around in life feeling the need to like prove to people that you know things, like then it's like, well, an elephant doesn't need to prove it's an elephant or whatever animal you identify with. Like, does it need to be a lion? You know, like, it's just this idea that you are what you are and you don't need to prove it. But for somehow, you guys, so the statement, you are what you are and you don't need to prove that to other people just does not carry the same weight as a lion doesn't need to prove it's a lion. Are we, are we all in agreement? I know that you can't respond right now, but like right now, just be like, yeah, no, you're right. But adding the lion in there really upset. Um, other funny story. So the other day, Kirby and I were driving. We were listening to the Lex Friedman podcast with RFK Jr. on it. And I like pause and proceeded to tell him. So I have a new dream business. So prior to this, my dream was like owning a plant shop. It's evolving a little bit with my tastes. Um, so now I said, okay, there is this company or this bookstore in New York City called The Ripped Bodice. And they exclusively sell like romance novels and fantasy novels and things like this. And it's just pink and it's so cute. It is like Instagrammable and I love it. It's so great. I haven't been there, obviously. I just followed on Instagram. Um, and I said like, so this is now my new dream. I want a, a bookstore that is like super themed. It would be like romance, fantasy. Um, what's the other? I, so I went to Barnes and Noble and realized that the genre of books that I like are spread across fantasy, sci-fi, and romance, I think. Oh, no. And young adult, which we're not going to talk about. The books that I have read that have been labeled young adult, um, excuse me, ma'am. Ma'am, but I did learn that, and I don't know if this is true because I don't fact check anything, that a book will be young adult based on the age of the main character. So like if the main character is 19, that's young adult. <laughs> no. Uh, and for anybody who's read A Court of Thorns of Roses, like that's in high school libraries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyways, so I pause this podcast and I'm like, Kirby, I have this idea. And God bless Kirby because 
he doesn't start poking holes and things. He just lets me like talk and like actually lets me like work out like how I would market it and what like the problems would be. We have a current working title of The Steamy Cauldron is the name of my bookstore. Okay, and like you can fast forward 60 seconds if you don't want to hear my idea, but it's, I think it's a really good idea and I'm giving you permission to do this idea in your uh, in your town too. So it might be a great passive income. Oh, no, 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 not passive income. Absolutely high intensity work for very, very low, low uh, monetary value. So it's actually a bad idea. Don't do it. But um, there'd be coffee. And actually what we do, because we'd want to keep it like small and intimate, is I would let my husband, we'd like divide the space in two. And he would have like his own very like navy blue leathers, Ernest Hemingway, like you can buy like two fingers of scotch. That's for those non-drinkers out there. That's an amount. So like two fingers, if you go sideways, that's how much scotch you would get in a glass. And so you'd come in this one entrance, you could get your coffee and then you could like go over here and this would be like the steamy cauldron. And then over there would be boring Ernest Hemingway stuff or whatever, Kurt Vonnegut you know, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it just sounds so great and fun. Uh, but then we came to the conclusion that I really just like the idea of starting the project and like all the like new problems to solve of like, how do you become a bookseller? And like, how would I overcome some of the hurdles that I anticipate a lot of book owners or bookstore owners experience? Like my, for instance, because I thought about this and talked for an hour with Kirby. For instance, I feel like my ideal person would be the person who reads like three, four books a month, right? Um, well, they probably have a Kindle and they probably have Kindle Unlimited. So like the last four books I've read were free, like free, well, $14.99 a month. So like, how do you overcome that? I have so many other, like I said, I legit talked for an hour with Kirby about this. Um, if anybody wants our business plan, shoot me a DM. <laughs> Uh, but that is how I know that I have issues and need to keep going to therapy. No, that's how I know I'm an Enneagram 3 who has ADHD and gets bored and just loves the idea of starting new projects that are creative outlets. So there we go. Um, what else do I have for you? I think I think that's it. Okay, so today, so I actually wanted this episode to be like a month ago, but Megan McGuire, who is my student loan expert couldn't get on till like three days ago so we are like budging it to the front there's like a bunch of very cool great podcasts that are coming that have already recorded that technically if we were going in order this wouldn't be going here but I don't know why I told you that that's not you don't really need to know that um I was just saying I was excited about this because I know there's been a lot of changes in student loans so this is a <sighs> Gosh, every time we talk about student loans, I start sweating, even though I've paid mine off and just like realizing the effed up game that this is. So this is a very interesting, I think even if you don't have student loans, listening to how student loans are handled in this country is, it's kind of fascinating. Like, it's like, what, what? This is a weird broken ass system. So uh, Megan is a certified student loan professional, aka wizard with Student Loan Planner and helps people navigate their student loans. 
So she keeps it fun. She, this is actually her second time on the podcast. I've had her create special content for my multi-passionate chiropractor group. Um, I really like Megan. I keep coming back to her specifically, even though like student loan planners, this big organization with multiple people. Now she's, I think, in charge of people. So I don't think you can actually, you might be able to work with her, but like, it's more like she's gotten a promotion now. And so now you work with people under Megan. But I also think that you get a discount. If you say my name, I think, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you get like $200 off if you say she slays. Just try it. You should just, in fact, just try that in general. Just like go to Applebee's and be like, promo code she slays? No, no? Okay. You're like checking out at bananarepublic.com and you're like, promo code she slays? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm pretty sure something is somewhere and you can save money. Um, if you're actually interested, I do have an email out to them. Like, didn't I become an affiliate at some point for you guys to get people a discount? Like what, how do people do that? I don't know. I'll do my best. Maybe there'll be a link below. Maybe there won't. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Without further ado, let's pray. <sighs> Dear God, thank you so much for, um, for education, for being in a country where we have so many options to pay for education. Um, thank you for solutions out there. Be with people who are really feeling the weight of an education that they paid for. You know, it's one thing if you love it and you can find a way to make it work for you, but I, my heart goes out there, God, to so many chiropractors that have accrued so much debt and they're frustrated with their situation. Maybe they love their job, but not their pay. They're just frustrated with the situation they're in. And they feel like because of money, they wish they would have picked a different job and just like be with them and like remind them that there's so much potential in this career and there's so much impact and that like there are options, there are options. And please just, just stick with chiropractic. If you love it, not don't go become a bank teller or something like that. So in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, crew, here is Megan McGuire. Oh, you, I have Zoom up because this is for YouTube and you guys can't see me dancing right now, but YouTube can. Um, what were we saying? Oh, yes. Without further ado, here is my interview with Megan McGuire, student loan wizard. Enjoy. Okay. So you said you're really busy right now. Like what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just everybody who has student loans is starting to panic because payments are really kicking in now. So it's overwhelming. So as we're recording, it's September 15th. Are payments restarting October? Mm -hmm. Okay. So just for the audience uh, who hasn't listened, we'll link your previous episode ago from forever. Um, <laughs> but when we recorded even back in, let's just say 2021, no, I think, or 2019, that's what we were, that's the story we're going with. Okay. Yeah. It pro actually, yeah, you're probably right. I think it, my sense of time is just like, <sighs> right now. <laughs> we have no idea. We have no idea. Anyways, years ago, um, <laughs> I had already paid off student loans. So yeah. me, myself going into this conversation is really just fact finding for other people because I have no idea what's been going on. 
I didn't pay attention during. So during the pandemic, my understanding is nobody had to pay shit on shit, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, just so we can make people feel bad about choices that they did or did not make and have no power over changing, would you, what would your advice have been during that time? Because like my brain went to like, what kind of has changed? Because I've done so much work in the like financial investment world mm-hmm. where like I was thinking, I had associates who were not making payments and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. why aren't you like paying down? Cause the principal was, you know, you could like, if you get that interest done, you can mm-hmm. just go straight at principal. Why aren't you doing that? But like, mm-hmm. was that the smartest thing for everyone to do or not even remotely? No. Yeah. So that, that might seem like the smart thing to do because that's what we've always been taught, like pay down your debt as soon as possible. Um, but most, uh, well, I would say, the majority of the people who have very large student loan balances comparison compared to their income, they, they want to be doing loan forgiveness. And so the COVID forbearance timeframe counted towards that loan forgiveness for free without having to pay. Yeah. So people who are doing the the IDR forgiveness, like they wouldn't want to pay because they're already getting credit. And it, it probably would have been a good idea for those who are trying to pay the loans off, like those who are not doing the forgiveness path, but not for forgiveness folks. Okay. So as it stands with chiropractors, is it, I forget, is it 20 or 25 years? Depends on the plan. So it could be oh, either. Okay. So this is <laughs> all right. All right. So then what are, what happened with the $10,000? Like I, I, another thing yeah. that like, I don't even know if chiropractors paid attention to, cause they're like, Oh, so instead of 270, it's 260, but like, are people mm-hmm. getting 10,000? No, that didn't end up coming through. So okay. it was struck down and it hasn't been talked about since, but, um, right. I think the new income driven plan that came out is probably better. Like okay. for most folks, like the 10,000, like you said, like wasn't a huge deal for large balances, but the new income driven plan is going to be a bigger deal. Okay. So will you talk now about what, what are the changes that we came out of COVID with? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, oh gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> so uh, the big one I just mentioned was the new income driven plan. That one is uh, it's called save S A V E. That plan is taking over for what used to be called repay revised pay as you earn. And basically the payment is cheaper, but the big deal with it as well is that it has a uh, interest discount where let's say, you know, your payment is not enough to cover the interest cost per month because it's based on income. Then that accruing interest just usually would have gotten added to the balance and your balance would have just kept growing. Right. But save waives any of the accruing interest. So the balance cannot grow on the save plan. Oh, that's really nice because I remember, you know, I say we paid off our loans in five years, but really it was six because the entire first year we were, we we somehow at the end of year one, it had gone up and we were just like, oh, I don't think we're paying enough attention to this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that won't happen anymore. So now, so is save the only IDR that's available for people or are there options? Because I feel like I've seen... Um, just like newsletters and like things on Instagram being like, how to know which option to do. Yeah, there's, there's still options. There's four different income driven plans. Save is probably going to be the cheapest for the majority of people, but it is not the best for everybody, which I think is important to note. 
So there's also uh, a pay as you earn plan, P-A-Y-E. That's the 20 year timeline to forgiveness. Save is 25. Okay. So some folks might want to compare, do they care more about being done with the loan sooner or are they okay with the 25 year timeline for a cheaper payment? So we're doing a lot of comparisons between those two plans right now. Then there's income-based repayment or IBR, which is based on 15% of discretionary income. So less and less people that plan is going to make sense for. Same with ICR. Just because it's more expensive than save or pay. And it's still 20 years? IBR is 25 if you have graduate loans. Yep. And it's 20 uh, the new IBR plan is 20. So there, there's old IBR and new IBR to make it Do a little more confusing. But no shit, I'm already, <laughs> I just need to let you know that I literally came, the acronyms are already messing with me because I literally just came out of a recording with some, a topic that couldn't be further from this. I just was talking to a chiropractic researcher and we were using like she was using all of these like research terms of EBM and I so I'm like okay cool I'm already lost but I'm making notes <laughs> are you automatically if you were in the old IBR are you automatically rolled into the new IBR so no because the new IBR you couldn't have had any loans borrowed before July of 2014 okay. so this is for like new new borrowers who like borrowed in the recent like past decade pretty much um those that did not they that borrowed a lot later than that they would be on the old IBR so that's okay. what distinguishes the two for folks okay mm-hmm. so you had said save pay mm-hmm. IBR and what's the fourth one you ICR income contingent repayment which that one's the worst of them all it's 20% of discretionary income it exists there's a few scenarios where it makes sense. Um, parent plus borrowers, like who borrow for their kids undergraduate education, like that's the only income driven plan they have access to. But for a lot of folks, it's not relevant and we're usually not recommending it for any reason. Okay. So that's the worst one. Unless you're a parent plus situation, you're not using ICR. Mm-hmm. Right. So then IBR is like the third worst. Mm-hmm. Um, who's doing that and why? Yeah. So that's a great question. So <laughs> you're like, I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's few circumstances, but there are very legitimate reasons to use IBR. Um, save, which is the newest, cheapest plan does not have a payment cap. So the more and more your income is over time, the higher and higher your payment gets. IBR has somewhat of a payment cap where it can't go above a certain threshold So for very high income earners that don't really make a lot of money early on, so like maybe think physicians or practice owners, this could be very relevant for practice owners where as an associate, you don't make a lot. And then as a practice owner, you start making quite a bit more. If you have that big income jump, but you still want to do forgiveness, then IBR might make more sense because it has that limit to what the payment could go up to. What is the limit? It's uh, based on taking the the balance and spreading the payments out over 10 years and you would pay the loan. So basically it's a standard 10-year payoff amount for like what the payment would be to pay off the loans in 10 years. Okay. So to figure out what your limit is, you would take the amount you owe and figure mm-hmm. out what the standard 10-year would be and they'll never make you pay more than that. Correct. Yep. 
oh God, I hate for, I'm like instantly taken back to the trauma of the first time that we <laughs> recorded where I was sweating and it wasn't That's even true, my problem, <laughs> but also math. Like I'm somebody who like, I'll find my way. I'll be in a episode with, you know, and I'll be like, you know, so for instance, if you see 200 people a week and you spend five minutes with each person and I'm like on air <laughs> going like, how many hours? Shit. Why did I start doing math? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can you do the math on, let's say that I owe 200,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would like a 10 year payoff mm -hmm. be on that? Mm -hmm. what would that monthly cap be 200 uh so that would be about 2300 a month okay so the cap would be 2300 a month mm -hmm. and what how much money would i have to be making i'm sorry if this is a really this you just seem really <laughs> smart with numbers so it seems like any how much money <laughs> would i have to be making a year Mm -hmm. Where if I was in the save program, I was having to give more than 2300 a month. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so let's back into that. So let's see, save. So 2300 is the cap. It would be, I think, about 350 So if you just a gross income. Which is uh, like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think it's more like 325 or so. That would be around the limit but yeah so like adjusted gross income would have to be like pretty high in that scenario to to get up to the cap like 300 plus in that example um so a lot of people don't even need the cap so that's why it's not super relevant to a lot of people it's relevant to those that might have a smaller balance where the cap is a lot short, smaller mm -hmm. um and for those that do have a pretty big income jump in the future like they're just crushing it that's where it might make sense but then the other other benefit, so new IBR we talked about is 20 years. So for people who would value being done with loans in 20 years versus 25 uh, from save, then that might be a consideration too. Um, but when but, you say, okay, when you say people who would value being done, mm -hmm. do you mean that from a monetary math perspective? Or do you mean like they want to be done with this five years earlier? Mm -hmm. Both. Because in a perfect world, the math works out better that we're done in 20 years and it's cheaper, but new IBR's payment is slightly higher than saves payment. So you're paying slightly more per month for 20 years uh, versus like a lower payment for 25 years. So we have to kind of run the math to see like, is it about the same or do you pay more because the payment's slightly more? Um so in a perfect world, it's cheaper both ways. It's cheaper because it's shorter and it's just cheaper from a total cost perspective. But sometimes the math, depending on your income and the balance, might shift more towards like the cheapest route is the 25-year plan, but you don't want to spend 25 years paying these. So you'd rather just pay a little bit more to be done sooner, if that makes sense. Okay. So what are some of the questions that you ask someone when you're helping them decide between those four plans? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One is I, I want to know their goals. You know, what are you looking to accomplish with the loans, but also in, in your other financial, you know, endeavors? Um, are you someone that wants to 
you know, retire super early and you need to start saving for retirement right now? Are you someone who wants a lifestyle practice where you don't want to have to work a bunch of hours per week? Doesn't everybody say that's what their goal is? Like, is anybody coming and being like, nah, I'm going to work till 65. That sounds (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I do get some Kairos that really love their work and they, yeah, they're fucking lying. They're, they're brand new. They're brand new in practice maybe, and maybe they're trying to impress you. They're like, would you need a chiropractor? I love it. We love what we do. We love what we do. And I, do I plan on adjusting still when I'm 65? Absolutely. I will yeah. adjust my husband the day he dies. It won't, mm-hmm. just so we're clear, it won't be the cause of his death, but like, I'll just be like, I'm trying to get you a couple more hours getting rid of the subluxation. Um, right. But I don't want to be required to be in my practice at 65. So those people are yeah. fucking lying. Okay, so, <laughs> but for real, yeah, this is the question of like, all right, so let's say I'm like a cute 25 year old and I've got mm-hmm. this debt and I'm like, yeah, I would like to, be living financially and financially abundant and freedom abundant lifestyle as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Is there like, cause we look at investing and the, like, what is kind of, the, is there like an average amount or um, interest rate that loans are at right now? About six to 7%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're advising someone about retirement, how do you, you know, let's say I said like, I want to be, I want to retire as early as possible, but I have this debt and it's at 7%. Mm -hmm. So then like, what's your next statement to that? Yeah. Well, first I would know like rule of thumb wise, like if their balance is greater than their income, we're going to want to consider the forgiveness route. Okay. And so with that being the case, that gives us permission to not really care about what the interest rate is for the the federal loans, because then we're just going to pay as little as possible on an income-driven plan until we get to forgiveness. And that goes alongside the same goal of wanting to be financially independent sooner because we're not prioritizing throwing a ton of money into the You're not throwing an extra 3,000 at your student loans. Okay. So if your income is smaller than your repay your student loans when mm-hmm. you first start. So like, mm-hmm. basically, no, I'm, I'm answering my own question, I think, but make sure what I'm saying is like, mm-hmm. if you decide when you graduate or like when you start, if you're like, all right, we're doing save, you wouldn't get to a point, like the plan is to ride it out. You ride mm-hmm. that bitch out. So you do mm-hmm. not, I mean, you obviously could, but it wouldn't be like, oh, hey, so when I started, I was making 70 grand and I owed 200. But mm-hmm. now I'm making 150 and I only owe 110. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, now I'm switching. You're like, no, 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 no. You decided we're going with. So most people, yeah, most people are not going to be in the situation when they graduate that they're not choosing to mm-hmm. ride it out. This is right. what we came to the first time. And I was just so depressed and so sweaty. Yeah. (laughs) But like some people it has to change, right? When does, when does it switch? Yeah. Like from the forgiveness to the aggressive. So it switches. I see a couple scenarios where it could switch. Um, One is if someone was super lucky or or had family money or had help to, to not have to borrow as much. 
So let's say maybe they borrowed like half of what an average student would borrow. Then the debt to income ratio thing, like it might be a little better to consider paying the loans off. And if they're coming from family money too, like their parents might be like, oh yeah, we'll we'll help you pay for it. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. So they're, they're already kind of thinking like, yeah, those people, um, so that's we love you people. We're not judging you. We're not judging you. We're just jealous. That's all. We are. All you're picking up on. Just Thousand jealous. percent. Yes. <laughs> so that's one scenario. Um, other scenarios have to do with uh, more so like spousal income. Like if your spouse makes quite a bit of income and it's a, because when you're married, the student loans do affect your, the tax filing status that you have affects what your payment's going to be. So if you're married and your spouse earns a lot of money, but let's say they don't have student loans, if you're filing taxes jointly, that payment's going to be based off of your joint income, not just your income. And so sometimes we talk about strategies of like filing taxes separately to exclude spousal income, but in some states and in some income scenarios, it's just too expensive to file separate. So in those scenarios, like where the spouse's income is quite high, it might change the the path to where we're not doing forgiveness, we're paying it off because mathematically it just doesn't really make sense to go a different way. Um, which, you know, that's more rare. Uh, I feel like a lot of Kairos tend to marry Kairos. Yeah, um, fucking idiot. So. I am sorry, but like, what were you doing? Oh, I'm a chiropractor. I married a business person. I was smart. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, or or marrying a dentist? Like, no, no, yeah, doing that shit. Yeah, Um, dentists have a lot of student loan debt too. Like any like professional degree, like could come with a lot of student loans unless there was a lot of scholarship, like a lot of scholarship opportunity or grant money or family money. Like that's you're just you're going to have a lot of debt unless you. Well, those things. The big difference though, is I was talking at a bar to a dentist and, um, I didn't need to throw the bar. My friend who's a dentist, but then I just decided (laughs) to admit that we were at a bar talking about this. Um, (laughs) Honesty. (laughs) Right. So we were talking how, cause they're trying to find a dentist. We live in this tiny town. It's very hard Mm -hmm. to get doctors. I'm trying to find a chiropractor. Um, Mm -hmm. it's hard Mm -hmm. to bring people to Rice Lake, Wisconsin. Uh, unless your family's here. And I was like, well, you know, just out of curiosity, like what does an average dentist pay? Like, Mm. sorry, that's a nosy question, but like the average associate chiropractor is going to make 50 to a hundred their first year out of school. Like that's a big Mm -hmm. range. And she said like, "Mm, like 120 to 150 and then plus. And I was like, oh yeah. So they're getting paid more. Mm-hmm. So. They're getting paid more. They do borrow. I mean, they have a lot of debt too. Like I think, let me actually see. I'm going to look at our stats. I'm pretty sure dentists are still the most indebted profession. And it takes so much to start up because of their technology. It does. Yep. And, and yeah, practice loans are very, very relevant with, if you're starting like a, you know, a, a practice in dentistry. A lot of times that's the goal is like you go to dental school to become a practice owner at some point. Um, a lot of folks don't want to be an associate forever, but yeah, there it is dentists. It's dentists, physician, physicians, veterinarians, and then chiropractors. That's okay. typically the 
what we see. Okay. So we should stop complaining because we're okay. All right. <laughs> You're still so, up there though. <laughs> right. So we're going through questions you asked someone and then I got us way off track. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we already know kind of the rule of thumb. Like I have already have an idea of where their income is with their balance. I ask about their goals, their objectives. Um, we'll probably talk marital status stuff like marriage. Um, and then from there, we're we're starting to run some numbers. And then I think some of the numbers start to bring up other questions and conversations like, you know, is, uh, you know, X amount of payment per month? Is that doable? Like, do you feel comfortable with that? Are you okay with the fact that we're going to have to save for taxes in the future for the, the forgiveness route? That was, the, I think, last time we, we had this podcast. That's when you like panicked. Mm-hmm. You like really blew up then. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> you have to pay taxes. <laughs> so we talk about that. And yeah, we well, just. What, what do you say if somebody's like, no, I, cause like it's, it's a math equation, what the government's mm-hmm. going to say you owe. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like if they're like, I, I'm not comfortable with that. No deal. Yeah. Yeah. No deal. And then we, we talk about alternatives. So like, let's use maybe that, uh, early associate example. So let's say like a hundred thousand is what they're making, you know, first couple of years in practice, maybe first five years in practice, um, $200,000 balance. Let's see where that goes. So with that, the payment's about five sixty, dollars maybe a hundred dollars more for the pay plan, but about five sixty a month on the save plan, the tax implication going that path, uh, don't choke again is about 20, uh, sorry, it's about 80,000 that we'd have to pay. And for folks that don't know this, when you go towards loan forgiveness, whatever balance you get forgiven, the IRS sees is taxable to you because it's, you know, it's the IRS. They want to tax us on everything. So it's a benefit that you got that balance forgiven. So they send, uh, the student loan servicer sends you a 1099 and you have to pay taxes on it. So not only are we like preparing for the student loan payments here, but we're also saving proactively for this tax implication if we're going towards loan forgiveness. And so in this example, you know, we have on save the the balance forgiven, 200000 because the payments are never enough to touch the principal. Oh, so we're, oh. yeah. Wow. But, okay. You said on pay or on, on save? Save, on save. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <sighs> yeah. So you would calculate and it'd be like, all right, your payment's going to be 560. You owe 200. Your, your, the amount you owe will never decrease. Right. Yeah. In this income example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's, it's pretty much like that's a hard thing to wrap your brain around. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of our conversations sometimes talk through these like emotions and like unwinding what say yeah about like that <laughs> you have to like train someone because like the instinct would be like okay well I'm not comfortable with just giving writing a 560 dollars check and never seeing the amount come down yeah and you have to like talk people like me off a ledge being like but mm-hmm. that is the smartest thing to do yeah this is yeah. a fucked up system again it's very very messed up yep and what's crazy, so then we'll we'll narrow it down. We'll crunch the numbers. So the the estimated payments that this person would make over time would be about two eighteen in this example. So they do end up paying two hundred and eighteen. Oh yeah, they end up paying. They're due. Mm-hmm. 
but it's all to interest because of the interest rate. I use a 6.8% interest rate. The balance forgiven is 200. The IRS may make you pay taxes on that. So highest tax bracket range, like I usually try to give the most you could ever pay, which is 40% federal and state. That would be 80,000 that we would owe the IRS in the year of forgiveness, 25 years from now. And that total balance shakes out to 298. So you pay payments plus the taxes, 298 for your $200,000 balance, which when we look at it that way, it's uh, it's not cheaper than paying it off within 10 years, but it's within $20,000 of paying it off in 10 years. How so come? what I mean by that, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so what I mean by that is the standard 10-year, if we were just to pay the payments of $2,300 a month, which would be a lot for someone off of 100000 of income, like a lot, that's a rent payment or a mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind, like 2300 a month for 10 years, that total cost shakes out to two seventy six. dollars oh. And the save example we were just looking at shook out to two ninety eight. So it's about a $20,000 difference. And this is critical time in your life where like, okay, you could be doing mm-hmm. 2300 from let's say age 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. But what we know about retirement investing and all of that, it's like, okay, can you scrap together 2300? Yeah. Okay. Somebody can, but mm-hmm. then- they're not yeah. likely being like, and then I'm also maxing <laughs> yeah. out this. Exactly. So that's where like sometimes the numbers, it, it doesn't come down to exactly the numbers because maybe this the forgiveness route isn't the cheapest. But when we look at the opportunity cost, you're exactly right. You're hitting it like on the head where, you know, you are not going to be able to save for retirement and have a $2,300 payment towards your student loans and pay your bills. You're just not like dollars only go so far and we can only do so many things with $1, you know? So then we're having that conversation where, yeah, it's 20,000 more. Yeah. It's longer. It's a longer time frame, but it provides you the most opportunity to set yourself up financially for the future because those 10 years, just as you said, like 25 to 35 years old, like those are crucial. Mm-hmm. Those are great saving years that you have time in the market that you will never be able to recoup if you you missed out on it, you know? Not even like the market, like looking at, re- like, so yes, the market, mm-hmm. um, but also like real estate. Like, True. you know, yeah. being, if you were to buy, if you, that you only had enough money to be renting, because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm going to rent and I'm mm-hmm. going to like aggressively pay off this. Could you buy a property, you know, mm-hmm. pay that minimum payment, be able to afford a property mm-hmm. that again, like 20 years later, real estate just goes up, you know, like maybe in a year by year not, but like having a, pro- mm-hmm. being able to buy a property when you're 25 and then turn around at 45, like that mm-hmm. in itself is a huge retirement situation. Mm-hmm. So like, Okay. Yeah. So it provides the opportunity. Like, so it's, it's a lot of like, even though we're talking about student loans, it's a lot of other like life conversations and like financial planning conversations that we have to have because of how, how big of an elephant this is. We have to be smart about how we're thinking about it. And 
strategic. We can't just take like the old advice of pay it down, like your hair's on fire. Like that's probably not because, and I tell folks all the time on my calls, like you might be done with loans in 10 years, you'll be debt free, but you'll also have nothing else to show for it. And that's a really hard position to be in because you're kind of starting over, like you're starting over saving and being aggressive with savings. So it'll feel like you're just always behind in a sense where if we did the forgiveness route, you're able to start doing those things earlier comfortably and not like put your life on hold to do those things either. Yeah. It's, you had said something about like, it's, it's switching how we think about debt. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, I want to come back to who should not do the save. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I first want to say, like, I feel like I was having a conversation. I don't remember what her name was. I think her name was Stephanie. And we were talking about uh, this is like one of the things that we're seeing is the switching this idea of debt because so I'm 36 as we record Mm -hmm. this, my birthday's in like a week. So I will be 37. But but my parents, they have this like no debt kind Mm -hmm. of mindset and I don't really know where that came from um but like stuff has changed and so Mm -hmm. like a lot of people you know even if you're graduating right now and you're 25 your parents are in their late 40s they're probably still in that mindset of like all debt is bad all debt is bad because that's what we've been trained to think, but like they weren't playing the same game. Like if you have a 45 year old chiropractor, like their debt, I I would love to know what, Yeah, right? Like, so not the same, (laughs) that's for sure. No. And even buying a home, like all of that stuff back then was like, it's just, just different. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're right. Debt used to be a lot more expensive. Like your parents or your grandparents literally used to have a double digit like interest rate for their mortgage. So like people really think about the older kind of thoughts of, of, or like the older realities of debt, which was debt was really expensive back then. And it definitely was, but now money is cheaper, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. borrowing is cheaper mortgages, even though we, we saw interest rates go back up. Um, compared to like 2020 and 2021, like we're at six, 7% where that's half of what like your parents used to pay or your grandparents used to pay. So it, it is just a different ball game. That's the reality of it. Well, and these programs that are like, gosh, like the programs are really just set up so interesting that like, mm-hmm. like, well, why it's like, they don't want you to yeah. pay it off. Well, in a weird, so I think what has happened I was gonna is say, let's, it's just you. Like what's your conspiracies <laughs> here? Like, my, oh yeah, I'll talk, I'll talk my thoughts. So I think at the end of the day, these plans did come about. So the income driven repayment wasn't designed to pay the loans off in a specific period of time. It was designed to make the payment affordable. And so they said, okay, well, if that's the case, they can't, be paying this forever. Like there has to be an end in sight. So then the forgiveness terms came into play, like the 20 or 25 years. Schools figured it out. They said, hey, we could charge whatever we want for cost of attendance. The government's going to give us money because we dictate the cost of attendance. People will borrow it. We're going to tell everybody that they can make enough money to pay these off. But if they can't, they have forgiveness that they can go towards. And the school makes their money 
They, you know, they have literally no incentive to keep the cost of school down. They don't because they're not on the hook for the forgiveness later. I mean, we all will at some point somehow uh, be on, on the hook, maybe tax wise, but um, I think that's what happened. I think the schools figured out that like forgiveness existed, that they didn't have to really try to keep the cost down low because people could borrow up to the cost of attendance uh, in student loans. And if they're not able to pay them back, they just go towards loan forgiveness. So I think that's why we are where we are right now with jumbo student loan balances because schools right. can charge it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so who should not do save? Like who would be someone mm-hmm. like, I think you might've already answered this is basically someone making a lot and their debt mm-hmm. is not as much. Yeah. I think that's a good assessment. Um, kind of going back to one of the earlier comments about the timeline, like someone who's maybe a newer borrower um, will make really good income and they, they want to be done with this in 20 years instead of 25, maybe the pay or the new IBR plan could be better. But yeah, I think the, those folks are the ones that could consider the two and then folks that will make a lot more than their balance eventually, or, or in the near future, like maybe paying the loans off is a better approach for them. Got it. So this amount so that you owe or that you have to pay the tax on for the forgiveness, mm-hmm. are there some states where you don't have to do that? No. Well, so we'll see because, well, for there states- rumors that like they were going to get away with that tax? Yeah. And, and they've already waived the tax implication until 2026. So people who are getting the 20 and 25 year forgiveness right now are not having to pay taxes. So we're wondering oh. if that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like you're saying if like 2023 was my 20th year mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, well, we're writing off to, or not writing off what, I don't know what the term we're yeah. forgiving 200,000. You mm-hmm. owe us 80,000. Mm-hmm. Is that what you, I think the math was? Um, yeah. But you're not going to have to pay that until 2026. Yeah, you you won't have to pay it at all. So it's so the people who got loan forgiveness this year, next year, and in 2025, the tax implication is just waived for them. Do you recommend holding out? Because like, do you think there's still might be some changes that happen? So I don't think so. Not to the taxes. So I've I've legitimately seen chiropractors who have had loans around for forever since the 90s get their loans forgiven right now. Like 20, uh, we're in 2023 right now. So I've seen folks get the forgiveness and they have not been issued a 1099 or a tax document. And they're not, we don't think they're going to have to pay taxes. It's in like the, uh, what was kind of brought about with the CARES Act. You don't think they're going to have to pay it even in 2026? Mm-mm. Why? Because they, they got the forgiveness during this window of time where they had waived it. Yeah. So that's what makes me think it's going to set a precedent or the expectation for right. people that student loan forgiveness is tax-free because these people today aren't having to pay it. So, you know, someone who gets a tax bill and for 2026 taxes, like that's going to be a rude awakening and and that's going to be an issue. Like, okay. But then I have a question. <laughs> yeah. So let's say, okay. So to, uh, just to repeat, so I understand correctly, if my loans get forgiven, Mm -hmm. Like if I get to that 20 year mark, 
before 2026. It's not in 2026. I'm going to have to owe. It's just mm-hmm. not owed. The Correct. tax is not owed. And they've said that mm-hmm. not delayed. Yeah. It's just forgiven, forgiven. They forgive right. the forgiveness tax. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so are there people that are, okay, so let's say I owe 80,000. All right. So we'll mm-hmm. do 200,000 and I owe 80,000 mm-hmm. or I'm going to owe 80,000. And now let's say that I'm supposed to, um, 20 years for me will be 2027. Mm-hmm. We're right now, but so let's say the amount that I owe to student loan. Oh no, it wouldn't be that because the, yeah. the, I have, I don't actually ever owe 60,000. I still owe 200,000. I've just been paying the principal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I answered my own question. Yeah. Because I was so that, what- that person would get the loan still forgiven. So the 200,000 forgiven, but then they'd have the taxes and supposedly they would have to pay the tax bill. And yeah. there's no way to get that. There's no way to cheat that system because you'd owe yeah. 200,000 still. Like so it's not like, Oh, quick, I'm going to quick pay it off. So I don't have to No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. I see. I, I answered my own yep. math question. I'm sure somebody <laughs> out there was thinking it. Um, okay. So you think that you're like, guess, and this is, this is mm-hmm. not legal. This is not financial advice. This is just <laughs> like two girls drinking coffee. So mm-hmm. if you had to guess what was going to happen in 2026, you think that enough people are going to be pissed off Yeah. that like, no, that's not fair. If my 20 year would have been 2025, Mm -hmm. There would have been a, there's going to be enough, there's going to be lawsuit. I bet it gets just keep getting delayed bare minimum. Yep. And Congress is aware of how problematic this is because of the scope of like them not expecting like, holy crap. Like we didn't think people would have $200,000 balances getting canceled. Like we thought it was going to be a little bit left over. Like that's, that's part of it. But also like people are unaware of this tax implication because why would you know about this? Like right. people don't get debt canceled every day or every year. Like people don't know that stuff like that is taxable. And so like, unless you are familiar with tax code, like a lot of people are just unaware of that. So when that tax bill does come due, it's going to be like catastrophic for someone who had no idea. Right. And they're going to have to go into a payment arrangement with the IRS. And Which gonna... they just got out of a payment arrangement. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Congress is aware of they're like oh yeah this is this is going to be bad and so what's interesting is our government does have to budget out 10 years in advance and they have to you know predict income sources which is tax revenue they're not predicting this tax implication being a revenue source so that makes me think that they're not counting on it like for running the government operations oh. Oh yeah. man, you like go deep into like looking at this. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's your job, but like, so you looked and said like at their like future budget there, because this has got to be tons and tons of money mm-hmm. of like, well, we've got all of these people who are going to in 2026, they're going to owe mm-hmm. us hundreds of million dollars for us writing off mm-hmm. that. And they're just like, mm, we're not going to even consider yeah. that. They didn't even put it into the budget. So I don't, I think it is more likely that we're not going to have the tax implication, but that probably is going to mean an overhaul in the student loan repayment system to some extent, which 
maybe not in the student loan repayment necessarily, because we kind of had that with the save plan that just came out, but maybe with borrowing in general, I think there's going to have to be changes with borrowing and how much you can borrow, how much schools are able, but then that gets into like a tricky spot because then are we telling schools how much they can charge for services? Well, and the government's not coming out bad. So like, let's say that they were like, all right, we're going to put a cap and Mm -hmm. school then becomes more affordable. So now you've got somebody who is, was paying $200,000 for a, you know, eight year degree, postgraduate degree. And now it's like, all right, we put a cap because $200,000 is like debilitating. And now Mm -hmm. like people are coming out with like 60,000. Mm-hmm. So in that scenario, the government got less money. Yeah. Like, why would they want that? Because they're like, all right, good. This is an affordable amount that this Mm -hmm. person actually is going to pay off. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to have to forgive anything. Yeah. But they only got six. I mean, well, no, they got interest and stuff like that. But like in the example you gave, they got $290,000 on a $200,000 thing. So they're like, oh, but we had to forgive. We didn't get that $200,000. It's like, <laughs> no, yes, you did. You just, <laughs> no, yes, you did. Yeah. Because of interest, it's this like fake thing mm-hmm. of like, all right, well, we're going to be nice and yeah. we aren't getting all of this money from you. And it's like, no, but you you did because you yeah. sent that interest. I feel like there's really smart people at play here everybody's getting their own everybody's getting a a piece or a share somewhere there there is some like method to maybe some of this madness for yeah but it it is just an interesting system and i i think the cancellation was very like exciting for people like it really amped people up like oh wow like we could get loans canceled like the ten thousand was so exciting but then didn't end up coming through then we have, so it's just, there's so many things that have changed in the past like couple of years with student loans where I think it has made the system more confusing, but also it's shined a lot of lights, like flashlights on this system too, for where I don't think we've seen the last of changes or the last of like probably, you know, updates to repayment options. I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot that still could happen, but all that to say as crazy and complicated as this federal system is, it is way more flexible and can be way more affordable than privatizing loans, like mm-hmm. just going and refinancing. So it's very rare that we're recommending refinancing to a Cairo, even if the costs are very similar, like the cost difference, because it's just riskier. Like there's not income driven payments with refinancing. There's not forgiveness opportunities. So it's like a regular boring debt that you have to pay back. And that's, that's when your mom is right. Like pay it off like your hair's on fire. If it's a private debt, that's what you want to do. But not with federal loans. We get a little interesting and then in the federal world. <laughs> I would postulate that it's very difficult. Because, okay, so like the people who are making, and we'll get back to money, I promise. This mm-hmm. is like, we're not going to turn this into a political conversation. Mm-hmm. But like the people making the rules are either going to be like the Democratic Party passing this thing or the Republican Party passing this thing, right? And you've mm-hmm. got a ton, like the millennials are the people who have this debt and, True. you know, Gen Z, like the prime voting age that everyone's fighting over. So I can't imagine that, I mean, 
politicians have kind of have their hands tied where they can't get stricter on. Yeah. Like once you start being like, okay, here's the safe program. We didn't write off 10,000, but we gave you this program. And like, we, you know, kind of like we're saying of like, okay, we're not going to make you pay the forgiveness tax on the forgiveness for these years. Like, I don't know how they're going to go back because then your party looks like the one. And then like, then they don't get re, you know, so they're just Mm -hmm. like, ah, shit. So my guess is that things won't get stricter, but like I pulled that out of my ass, just like looking at politicians and wanting to be in power. So, yeah, no, I agree. Cause you wouldn't want to be the person that said, oh yeah, let's let taxes come back in. Like you don't want to be that guy. (laughs) No, you don't want to be that guy. You have other way more important world politics and economics that you're working on than like pissing off people who, you know, that highly okay. educated people too. Yeah. Like yes. that's the thing. highly like- <laughs> educated. They went to school for a very long, expensive time. <laughs> You're not pissing off the dummies who just went to two year plumbing school and now make a million dollars and have no debt. No, <laughs> you're pissing off the person who owes 200 grand with a English literature degree. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, if you didn't get the joke there, uh, my state, uh, I don't think that plumbers are dummies because they really <laughs> played a smart system. Yeah. Any, um, what is it? Uh, trade, yes. trade that like, yeah, like right. skip, skip the school guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, um, do you know who Larry the cable guy is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, we live in the middle of nowhere. So like a celebrity having, a house around us is like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So he owns a house um, on this really nice lake that a lot of like Chicago money and Minneapolis money comes and buys. And, and mm-hmm. so like everybody knew like Larry, the cable guy bought this house. Oh, well, wow. The, uh, this guy, my husband graduated with who became either a plumber or an electrician bought it from Larry, the cable guy, cable guy, just like, <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. he's doing okay. He's doing okay. Yeah. He's not yeah. stressing about, okay. So mm-hmm. let's switch gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you and I decide that we're going to do either the save or the pay plan and mm-hmm. like, all right, Lauren, this is the game. You are going to pay $600 a month because that is your minimal payment. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but, but Megan, I have more money. I can throw more. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, this is the game. What? are what are some of the things that you would recommend I do with that like extra money if Mm -hmm. you're not letting me throw it at paying it off because that's not the smart thing Mm -hmm. yeah so I think the other component is maybe saving conservatively for that tax implication may or may not be here in the future but doesn't hurt to save for it just in case is there a where a place you can like okay where would you save it like what's Mm -hmm. the highest interest, like easy place you could put it. So you can be like, okay, in 20 years, you can grab this out of there. Like, where Mm -hmm. would you save it? Box under the mattress? No, no, (laughs) not there. I would, I would suggest looking at investing this money because it's, it's probably still a long time horizon, like 20, 25 years. So not a retirement account though, because you want to have access to it probably before you turn 60 without any penalty. So you'd want to save and we, we would call it like a brokerage account or an individual investment account, which you can open up anywhere like Vanguard, Fidelity. And all it is, is an account that you put money into. You can put as much as you want in there, take money out whenever you want, but it's invested. So like it's in the stock market. 
Yep. Invested in the stock market. So, and I would suggest probably mutual funds or index funds. So it's diversified. It's not in like one company and committed to that one company's success. It's in multiple companies. So it's very diversified from that perspective. And like Um, in general, right? Like mm -hmm. the stock market, like people get all freaked out of like, oh, but I saw the S&P is down 23%. Like in general, 20 years from now is not. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my professors in college had the best analogy, I think for the stock market that I, that's always stuck with me, but think about investing. Like it is variable. Like if you check your account every day, it's going to go up and down and that's going to freak you out. Um, even like month to month, like there's going to be some variability. So think about investing for the long term as just think about yourself starting at the bottom of an escalator. So an escalator that's going to go up to the next floor and you're playing with a yo-yo. So take that yo-yo, you're playing with the yo-yo, that's the stock market. You're going to have the ups and downs even though you're on the escalator going up. So that's how I tell people to think about it. It's not a day-to-day thing that you want to be looking at or obsessing over. It's a long-term play. And historically, longer-term investing has yielded 7 to 10% on average. So if you're not investing, that's where you could be losing money because you're, you know, count, you're going up against inflation. You're not having your money work for you. And this is where time, like we were talking earlier about how so much time in the market is a great thing because you have so much time for your money to grow for you. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the way to think about it. Um, this is not a great place for your emergency savings though. So don't put like your backup emergency funds in this account. That just needs to be in boring savings. But ta- tax bomb savings, this is a great account for it. Could be also, you know, backup retirement savings, could be savings for like, you know, that you want to maybe use in 10 years for a home remodel or whatever. It's a flexible account. And then the, let's see, if the tax implication does not exist, then we have a lot of extra money that you could mm-hmm. put towards something else. <laughs> yeah. So then at what point do you like just pour, are you saying like pour all of it there? At what point then do you go like, all right, and then I'm also going to start doing a retirement? Oh yeah. Yep. Let's go back to that question. So yeah, I think uh, there's probably a calculation we can do to figure out how much you need to save for the taxes. Start doing that, get it on a on a habit, then prioritize saving for retirement. If you don't, well, there, there's always competing priorities, right? Because I think having emergency savings is important. So make sure you have emergency savings beefed up. Three to six months of your living expenses could be a good amount. After that's done, like definitely start contributing for to, to retirement, putting money in savings for maybe a shorter term goal. Like if you're interested in buying property, you know, build up emergency savings or or savings, I should say to a point where maybe you could start looking at uh, purchasing, like you have enough for closing costs, maybe some for a down payment. So I I think it depends on your goals from there, but I think the combination would be, if you have extra money, save for the taxes, save for retirement, save for emergencies, and then save for your short-term goals, whatever those are. And then depending on what the goals are, that might dictate the priority. Yeah, absolutely. It's just such a, it's such a funny thing because I feel like it's eye-opening, like just investing in general, like, so debt payoff slash investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a game. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. it's that is like it's a math equation game too. Like, and yeah. I feel like a big math equation. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we just graduate so for years. Like, are do you think students are like it just takes this long? Like, because I'm like I said, I'm in my late 30s, and I'm like, oh, it's a game. <laughs> so the person who doesn't seek out financial consult. Mm-hmm. when they're graduating. So they're early twenties, they're mid twenties. Are you finding that they're having, well, no, you're not talking to them. Like, <laughs> are they having this epiphany because like conversations are happening around them or are a lot mm-hmm. of them just kind of, okay. So everybody's like waking up. I think so. Well, and I think too, like earlier on it, so it might take some time for people to kind of see it this way because earlier on, when you just graduate, you're in like survival mode. You're trying to find your job. You're trying to, you know, you, you're trying to do all these really big, impactful competing things all at the same time. Like maybe you're getting married, maybe you're buying a house, maybe you've had a couple kids already. Like it's just, it's sometimes hard to like pause and look at your financial situation from like a bird's eye view to figure out, Oh, this is the game I'm playing. This is what I need to be doing. This is how I should think about it. And so sometimes it does take until your thirties where like you started to establish those things where you could slow down and, and like take a second look at this, you know? So I try to preach the, the education and, you know, help people earlier on when they're graduating. Um, and in the first couple of years of their career to start to see some of these things, but a lot of the perspective doesn't really come in until, you know, maybe a little later on just cause we haven't had time and mm-hmm. that's okay. I was talking to a guest once that said it wasn't until, so I think it was called the country club (laughs) rule or like, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't until Obama was in office. And I never fact checked this because like I have on experts and you could literally tell me anything and I would be like, (laughs) she said it, she said it. Like you are seven steps above TikTok in my brain. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. That was a compliment. That was a weird one. Um, Seven steps above TikTok. Okay. So she said that like there's this rule or this law that was revoked or passed in like around Obama's time where like Mm -hmm. up until that point, you couldn't have open conversations about investing and some of this stuff. And like, and it was, that was why it was called the country club rule Uh, or whatever, because mm -hmm. The only way that people started to wake up to being smart with their money and investment and debt and like all of this was like talking to people like person to person. So if all of your friends were broke ass, you stayed broke ass. So <laughs> if you were at the country club and you were lucky enough to be around rich people, those were the ones going like, oh, well, hey, don't do this, do this, this, and this with your money. And it's smart. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Um. I don't know about that specific law, but um, I do believe that there has been a lot more conversation around money in the past like five, 10 years, which I love. I think this is a great direction for us to be moving in. Um, But that that's probably true too. like who you surround yourself with is who you're going to be most like. We've always been taught that that's probably true to some kind of like, you know, statistical manner. Um, But well, just even the way your parents thought about it too, of like, you know, like we already said that, but like just thinking about, you know, the idea that uh, buying a 
laundry mat. Well, is it cash flow positive? Like these are just like things where you're just like thinking about debt in such a different way. Okay. Yeah. What question have I not asked you about the new rules that is important for people to know? Yeah. Um, let's see. Maybe one comment that I think is important is for those that maybe have been in repayment. I get this question daily right now. So I'm sure probably people listening to this might get it too or might have it too. But um, if you've been in repayment in the past, COVID turned off your payments and you're trying to figure out what this is going to look like in October because payments kick in in October of 2023. Interest has already kicked back in from the COVID forbearance pause that we had for like three and a half years. So a lot of the questions I'm getting right now is, well, when do I have to update my income? Because if you're on an income-driven plan, you have to update every 12 months. So the answer to that question is no one has to update income until next year, 2024. You'll have like an anniversary date where you'd have to update. But the good news about that is probably four years ago, you weren't making as much money. So a lot of people are asking, because if you're on an income-driven plan, that income-driven payment that was locked in four years ago is probably really small compared to what your income is now. So people are asking like, well, should I switch to this new plan? Should I update my income right now? And the answer is probably no, because if you were in repayment before COVID, if you switch or if you update income, the payment's going to be higher before it needs to be because it may so, not have to update until so next year. So ride every month of like, if you're making, if you were making less back then, then mm-hmm. you are now ride every month before yep. switching to picking Mm -hmm. a plan and you can do that. Okay. Yep. You could switch to save at any point next year. So there's no rush to switch to, to, to save. The only like time constraint you want to know about is uh, pay. If you're eligible for pay and you want to be on pay. And if you're not on it already, you do have to switch by July of next year. That's like one time constraint for the pay as you earn plan, but there's no limits to save. Okay. So you have to switch, you have to decide what you're going to do before mm-hmm. July. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, but, yeah. As usual, you were depressing, but brought truth and math. <laughs> and yeah. Blew my mind open. We'll have you back in <laughs> two more years. And yeah. okay, I'm going to be like, we're both going to be like in our 60s. And I'm going to be like, okay, so Megan, you're telling me. <laughs> you can't believe it. <laughs> That would be, okay. that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Lots will happen between now and our 60s. <laughs> no shit. Oh my God. Okay. How can someone who's like, I need to get my shit together. I need mm-hmm. to call Megan. How mm-hmm. can someone work with you? Find more of you? Yeah. So uh, you can check out our website. So I'm, I work, I'm a consultant with student loan planner and a financial advisor for SLP Wealth. Um, Start with student loan planner for a consultation. Um, we also have a lot of free content on our website, blog posts, calculators. So if you had questions, um, there's a lot of free content you can access at studentloanplanner.com. And then you could schedule a consultation through there as well. We have a huge team now on the student loan planner. Um, it's almost like student loans are an epidemic. Yeah. Gosh. So, and everyone on our team is super awesome. Like if you don't get paired with me, um, my, my time is a little more limited now because I'm doing a lot of the training and some of the management, but you've, you've been um, promoted since the last time that we spoke. Is that true? 
Yeah. So I'm a senior consultant. Yeah. I've got a lot more duties on my plate and the new firm startup SLP wealth has been a lot of work too. So it's been, that's what I was telling you earlier. Like it's been busy, (laughs) but our team is awesome. You'll find a lot of value in working with anybody on the student loan planner team. And, um, you know, we can help navigate these student loan issues with you and make sure you've got the best plan. Awesome. Thank you so much. I feel like you've even, you, you break down math in a way that is, um, (laughs) it's little bite pieces. It's like, okay, I can wrap my head around that. Okay. I can wrap my head around that. And I think that you provide like, you know, money is such a huge stressor. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's huge. And like, you know, so just being able to give people a little bit of hope that like, this is going to be okay. You picked mm-hmm. a good job. It's okay. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to be fine. So thank you very much. Yeah. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. She Slayers, uh, go check out studentloanplanner.com. Mm-hmm. You got it. Mm-hmm. Get those free resources, get hooked up with someone who can help you be smart about your money. And until next week, bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.